for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Happy Saturday, everybody. You're listening to this on a Tuesday, but I'm saying happy Saturday because we're going to live in this moment right now. If you guys are listening to this, you know, on Tuesday, September, what is it even? September today? It's going to be the 18th. No. 19th. 19th. Uh, 17, 18, 19th. So it's September yeah. 19th. As you guys are listening to this, it's going live. But DJ and I are we're doing a little pre-recorded intro because uh, we're at the Michigan game right now. We are literally tailgating. I, I'm, I, I could throw... I could hit a five iron at, at the big house right now yeah. and, hit, and hit the scoreboard. Yeah, if you uh, for anyone that will see any kind of pictures that we post, you can see the scoreboard in the background, and we're not we're not you know we're not a block away from the scoreboard. We are like you said, like you could hit a five iron, and we are right there at the scoreboard. But you know, I I I'll have to say it's it's something kind of special to me to bring someone down here that's never experienced this to try to give them the best experience possible you know and you know ab and his 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 wife Alyssa, they've you know big michigan fans but the life just hasn't allowed them to come down here to a football game no and when you first kind of approached me with the idea of let's get tickets this and that and we 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 went back and forth on some games and i seen that night game and even though it's not a, a giant, you know, Big Ten opponent, I said, this is the game to go to. Yeah. And once you buy the tickets, the, the next thing all we can do is to watch the weather and hope right. for the perfect kind of day to come down here. And, and we that, pick that. Boys, <laughs> listen, I'm telling you right now, that is, that is everything. That is everything that. that when we, we're done here, we'll get on it. Yep. yep we're good. That Give it, us 20 minutes. We're, we we got hot we got a target on our back right yeah. now. Is yeah, what we well, do. you do you you my friend. Okay, little sidetrack. You my friend are hell of a cornhole player. Hell of a <laughs> cornhole player. And, we got and, a target on our back right now. Yeah, but uh, no, we're we're down here tailgating down here at the University of Michigan, and it is. I I mean, let me, okay, give me. Most of the time, people say, like, give me one word, what you would explain, what this atmosphere is. But I'm going to give you, give me three words, Aaron, like what you feel and what you see right now down here. Well, first thing is, like, when you drive around the stadium, it's like the first word is a vibe. It's just it literally a Saturday game down game day down here is a vibe. Yep. That's, that's all it is. Yep. Then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw the OG out there and just say epic. Like, and – and and then the third word, it's going to be a couple words, but it's like I'm at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like I feel at home right here. Like we're we're literally looking at. I mean, how many people do you think are tailgating right here? Probably oh, just, you, thirty thousand maybe. Oh, ease in, if if not more. 
and that's the parking lot we're in. I haven't even showed you across the street. You know that. That's what I mean. The, like, the, the golf course down here actually holds more than Pioneer. Does. Yeah, we're so at like, Ann, Arbor, Ann Arbor Pioneer High School. Yep, is where we're tailgating. Yep, yep. And I tell you what, can you imagine this? The the kids, you know, and I'm saying kids. I'm talking about ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade kids when they get to play uh, high school varsity football here at Pioneer. They get to play over there across Kitty Corner, and they get to play in the, the big, big house, house on yeah. Friday nights under the lights sometimes. So that that's something to be, you know, something to be said itself. But yeah, what I love, what I love is I don't like I I enjoy going to the games. Like you are going to see me in there. Like I absolutely love everything about the game. But for me, I love everything about this day. And I think we talk about that a lot when it comes to hunting, like the packing for the trip. Let's plan what we're going to take for food for the trip and. That correlates the same way when I bring someone down here to tailgate. Like it is, I, it's a full experience. Right. But when you look around, we have we have every type of person you can picture down here. Oh right? yeah. Our our neighbor and tailgater drove six and a half hours this morning from Southern Indiana. Southern Indiana, huge Michigan fan. Got yeah. a Woodson jersey. Yeah. In but like you know what? There's there's thousands of people just like him. Yeah. So we have very like-minded people here. Everyone's here to tailgate right now, and every one of these people are going to be cheering their asses so off tonight. I've got something to say. Yep. Okay, so we're in, like, basically the third row from where you could start tailgating. Mm -hmm. we're, we're close, like literally close. The whole first row, when you drive up, and you, when we drove up to, to pull into tailgating, the whole first row, I'm going to say there's probably – I'm going to say there's at least 30 cars probably, and yep. they're all Ohio license plates. Because today's guest yep. is Mr. Justin Hollinsworth. Yep. But, you know, we just thought this would be fitting. You're a big Ohio State guy. Yep. Why not do the intro here at the big house? I wish yeah. you were here with us. Yeah. But, like, we're saying Michigan pulls Ohio people as well. Yes, so, we do. you know, the yes. good ones, the yes, good Ohio people. You, you look at Northern Ohio, and they those those are Michigan people down mm -hmm. there, you know. But let's uh, here in a minute. Let's get into Justin Hollinsworth. But you know what? We let's let's hit the rewind button. Like if this was a VHS, let's hit the rewind all the way back to the very beginning of the day. And I I want I want to tell you how our day actually started. So about a, <laughs> oh God, here we go. About a month. This ago. this has to be my wife sitting right next to me. She doesn't yep. have a headset. She wouldn't put one on. But this is all thanks to my wife. It is. Because it is. she booked the hotel. She booked the hotel. So this is, hun. I know you can't. Nobody can hear you right now. But thank you to my wife for this. Yeah. So yeah. You take it from here. So, AB sent me a, an address. I don't know, say about a month ago. Because my wife and I are sit, staying down here tonight. Yep, yep. Uh, Alyssa booked a hotel for them to stay down here. Because you guys, you know, like it, it's over an hour for me. So you can imagine, it's a little you know, more than double us. that for you guys to come down here. And, and you know what? And kudos to you guys. Because then you're going to get yourself a full experience coming yep. down here, right? So about a month ago, you sent me an address. And all I did is screenshot the map because, like, I'll study the map, kind of figure out where we're at. Because if you if you watch today, when I picked you guys up, like, we didn't, I didn't see where we need to go. I knew where we were going from where yep. you guys were at. So I, I I drove into the hotel that I screenshot. And to your defense, you did just send me yesterday, hey, this is, this is the address. But all I did was like, yeah, I already got a screenshot. I'm good. I, I know where I'm going. And I have I have actually not been down to that part of Ann Arbor where you guys are staying, and you and you guys are nice and close to Ann Arbor. But 
So we pull up to the the uh, the hotel, and we I have another good set of uh, friends that came down here also, and my oldest daughter Madeline and I we came down here, and you said, well we're about I you know I knew you're about 15 minutes out, so I was like I'm gonna go inside and use the bathroom real quick, and as I was walking inside out, you know all of a sudden a bunch of people come out. We weren't room. here yet. No, we, you, were, we were like 10 minutes. Yep, out. Yep, you guys weren't here yet. And as you guys came out of, or no, as I was walking into the lobby, I seen a, a group of people come out of the lobby. And the one thing I know is, is my daughters both have done a lot of dance clinics, some college combine stuff for dance in the future down here at Michigan. And the one thing I know is Michigan provides their, their student athletes with particular backpacks. And when I watched this group of people come out of the, uh, the lobby, one, they were like I, I felt like they, I looked like a chicken nugget next to them. You know, they're, they, they were a lot. Bigger well, you're not than a I very were. big guy, right? <laughs> but then they all had these backpacks on, and I was like, oh, the team stayed here last night. That's what's going on. And I walked in, and I seen a bunch of more. You know, at that time, because everybody was, listening, even if it's home games, Michigan as the team stays in a hotel in Ann Arbor, so they, they've got a regiment. They've got bedtime. You know, it's check like in, check lights in, out. all that stuff. Yep, yep. yep. It's, a fu- it's a full routine. Like, it, it is, it's, it's, it's like clockwork, mm-hmm. right? And I walk in the lobby, and I see, I see guys with tablets. I'm like, yeah, team is for sure here. So I, I use the bathroom, and I come back out, and I, I tell my daughter and her friend and our good friends, I'm like, hey, the team's here. And they're like, bullshit, you know, because I, I, I'm kind of a jokester. So they, they, they're like, no, there's no way I said, I said, guys, the team is here. I promise you. And they said, nope, no, they're not. And so I literally have, I'm like, I swear my family's life, no crosses count. Like, I'm telling you, the team's here. They're, they say, okay, we're going in the lobby to go check. Aaron and I, I shit you not, they get out of the truck and they all turn, let me think, it's, they all turn to the east to walk in the lobby. And I'm standing back at my tailgate. And as I turn east, I look west and I was like, Madeline turn around and Madeline's wearing a full JJ McCarthy get up. Michigan's quarterback. Yeah, she 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 calls him as you know her boyfriend. That's what she thinks. And when I turn to the west, AB, here comes JJ in the quarterback room, and I'm not shitting you right down the parking lot. All the quarterbacks, here all the come. quarterbacks, and I said I said turn around right now, and they turned around, and she, she listen, she kept it cool. I will give I'm her surprise, but I gave her shit because she didn't ask him yeah. to go to homecoming yeah. so with her. As he comes walking up, I says, "JJ, can we get a picture?" And he's absolutely. So she got a picture with him. But afterwards, you know how like when you shoot a buck and you kind of lose your shit afterwards. Oh, oh, hell yeah! Once he walked away and got it back into the hotel, she, she went freak. Joe. She kind of lost it a little bit. Facetime mom, Facetime the sister, just completely lost it you know but within nine minutes i saw mom had the picture up on social media oh yeah yeah Yeah. amanda had the picture up on social media but so ab gave her some shit she said ab said that was your chance to ask him to homecoming but like you said full circle we really have your wife to thank for that thanks thanks babe yeah (laughs) hey it's almost it's almost it's almost we got we got target on her back what do you got we're on Fox right now. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do a we do a podcast. We've had a podcast for six years now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Hunting, actually. Hunting? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That a baby. And a boy. Go blue. Yep. 
Go blue. We'll talk about it here in a little bit after we get off live. Yeah. <laughs> we got a target on our back. Hey, look, look at it. She's over here just like celebrity, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll be signing babies here in a minute. Oh, you know? geez. Here we go. <laughs> no, that that was a pretty cool experience for Madeline and everything. Like, they just, you know, they're that was pretty sweet to see the cold quarterback room come out and, you know, and, and just kind of like be human for a little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep, and, and that's the thing, you know, we as fans, we, we can be hard on them at times or, you know, we love them to death at times or it's like, you know, here in the college world, like, they're still kind of kids in yeah. a sense, you know what I mean? You're talking like JJ's probably 20, 21 at the most, yeah. junior. Um, but, yeah, it's they're they're just normal, you know what I mean? We, we've been down to the Big Ten Championship before, and I don't – do you know what a B-Real is? You know what the app, like, B-Real yep. kids use? Like, yep. Madeline's got some pretty cool experiences. She's actually got Jesse Minter to do her be real with her down at the Big Ten Championship, you know. So it's it, they're just they're Jesse just, Minter's the defense coordinator yep, for Michigan, the DC so. for Michigan. But yep. but hey, uh, bef before we get to Justin Holland's Justin Hollinsworth today on the podcast, tell me, give me a uh, you you gave me a bold prediction about yep. two three days ago. Why don't we uh, why don't we cover that real quick? The the prediction. So Michigan's playing Bowling Green today, and. Uh, Michigan is not going to give up a first down in the um in the first half. So Michigan their defense is is tough and Bowling Green's not that good. They're mm -hmm. max school and Michigan will not give up a a first down in the first half. So I like it. that that's my prediction and they the spread's 40 and a half I believe or 41 or something like that. Like it's going to be a it's going to be a old fashioned beat down yep. to be honest with you. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it's so so today on the on the podcast we got Justin Hollinsworth. And yep. when I think about Justin, I think about very uh, a very consistent killer. That 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 is what I think about Justin. And I look back at you, you think about some of the bucks that Justin's killed over the day over the years. I you know this in October bucks. That's why we're October, getting him on is because yep. he 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 gets after the October bucks too. Yep. yep. And that and that is why like. Very consistent, but he's he's got some great early season bucks. And, you know, you think of Ohio, you know, they are knocking on the door of, you know, we're knocking on the door of opening day, but Ohio always gets a little bit of a, a kickstart, earlier. you yep. know, because they're like the last Saturday in September. So it's, uh, I don't, I think that this is the perfect guest to have on this week. Yeah, it really is. Hollinsworth is, he's a really good guy, genuinely outside of hunting. He's just a really good cat. But, uh, you know, when we're talking about the hunting situation, he does things on an elite level. Yeah. You know what I mean? We talk about, like, the Heath Siskos and the Troy Pottingers. He's right there with yeah. them. You know what I mean? And and, and I, I agree with you. I think I think this is a great guest to have on. I'm excited to have him on. And, you know, I don't want to get too much into what we're going to be talking about today, but I do want to go through some partners real quick. You know, we are here tailgating, drinking some beers and everything, but we do have to keep the lights on. You know, yep. they're helping fuel that generator over there that we have the TV running on. So, yep. uh Let's keep some lights on, but first and foremost, the Fall Podcast website. Go to fallpodcast.com. Check out all the swag. We got new hunting hats, the the multi-camo, which DJ is really partial to, the Realtree OG original hat. Go on there. We have we have hoodies. We're trying to sell out with everything. So if there's no sizes there for you, we apologize, but we're trying to sell out with some things so we can recoup some other other sizes and other designs and everything. But there's hoodies, there's t-shirts. Three different T-shirt designs, so go try them out. Hey, I got a question for you. Sure. Have you, have you picked your your hat for the this fall? So I was when I was in Kentucky, I wore, wore the Real Tree mm -hmm. 
And it it didn't it didn't it didn't work out very well. So yep. I might start the year out with multicam. Switching it? I, I think I might. Yeah. I, I like it. The, the multicam the multicam looks good. Yeah. Yep, it's it's a it's a good fitter. So they're all Richardson 112 hats. So check them out and uh go to fallpodcast.com. Um next is Latitude Outdoors. In in our opinion, the the leader in mobile hunting. If you guys use the code rope upgrade right now, you guys can save 25% on our on our ropes. We have new upgraded 10 millimeter ropes. They are stronger and lighter and more compact than the 11 mils. I don't know how they're stronger, but that's just that's just because our guys are they just know how to do things. I guess. Well, that is my friend. The world is changing. You know, what I mean? know. Like when you, yeah. when, you, when you see stats like that, smaller but stronger. I yeah. mean, that, that is that someone's doing their homework. Exactly. So go to go to Latitude Outdoors. And uh, check everything out there. Use the code Rope Upgrade if you're looking to upgrade your ropes, or if you're if you're looking to upgrade anything else or buy something, use the code The Fall Podcast, all one word, to get 15% off on a new saddle, sticks, cl- uh, uh, platforms, Kong ducks, carabiners, anything like that. You can use the code The Fall Podcast. So check them out at Latitude Outdoors. Next is Helix Broadheads. Use the code Fall HX10. To get your next single bevel design broadhead, you can do the FJ2 or the FJ4, which has bleeders. You're not going to go wrong with either one. I'm gonna, we're going to be shooting the FJ4s. I shot them last year, shot two deer with them. Blood trails were phenomenal. Uh, they fly unbelievable. They penetrate like a bitch, and they're accurate as a mother scratcher. So check them out at helixbroadheads.com. Fall HX10 is the code. Exodus Outdoor Gear. We just had a podcast with Jake Hofer, mm-hmm. and it was a good one. And uh, they make some awesome products, arrows. They make uh, cell cams as well. Use the code TF for 15% off to get your next camera. Uh, you can get a camera with a five-year no BS warranty with theft and damage coverage. You're going to have a cell cam for five years. That's the way to look at it right there. Yep. You know, not many companies can tell you that. So check that out. And uh, Garmin. Another one. Looking at my Garmin Garmin watch right now. Uh, we love the Garmin watches, the NRH Mini, but also, I mean, the Garmin sights. The A1i Pro, we're, we're both running. And, I mean, one word. Describe the Garmin A1i Pro. Confidence. Boom. Easy. <laughs> Confidence. And accurate. Yeah. I'll throw accurate in I, there. I will say, though, AB, I've, so I just had someone reach out to me this last week about the watches. Okay. And it's someone that you actually know, Buckmaster. Buckmaster. Buckmaster's interested in a Garmin watch, refuses to buy Apple. Okay. That is where that's the stance. Okay. That's the stance he uh where he's at. But so he, he asked about the Garmin watches. I I I I know that you know a lot about them. I said, Well message AB. I said the one thing that I know right off the bat is you know, my wife's got an Apple watch and she charges it every night. And you don't have to charge yours what every Mine lasts for 28 days. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. my wife has a Garmin watch. How many times do you charge that? Yeah. Hers lasts for at least two weeks. Yeah. And hers is, do you remember what that one is? The Vino 2, something like that, 2S. Yeah. And her, she literally charges it once every two weeks. Mine, mine this lasts 28 days. And, though, and, those, and those watches can sync up with any phone, right? Phone. Um... What am I thinking? It, it it anything that the Apple Watch can do, I'm pretty sure the Garmin can do. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, so the watches are great as well. And the Inreach Mini, we talked about 
DJ Martin mm-hmm. going off grid, one. he needs to get one. Yep. We talked about that. So uh, check him out at Garmin.com. You won't be disappointed there at all. Uh, Buck Bourbon is the next one. Food plot seed, it's a little, I wouldn't say it's late to put a full food plot in, but you're getting there. But they have food plot seed, they have mineral and attractant if they allow that in your state. They don't allow it here, but you can do that. They have ground blinds, and we've been harping on the the knife kit. Mm -hmm. The knife kit's great. Check out the knife kit. Use the code TFP20 at checkout to save your money at uh, buckbourbon.com. And the last two, but certainly not least, Prime. Mm Mm-hmm. The Prime Michigan made company. Prime, you, we're shooting the Rev X 2s. They seen, have Rev X 4s and the 6s. Yep. I seen a Prime hat down here today. Did you? Yep. Let's yeah, go. I seen go the, blue. Uh, go blue. Yeah. Great hat of choice. So check out Prime at your own local Prime dealer or at g5prime.com if you're looking for a new bow. And lastly, America's Best Bow Strings. America's Best Bow Strings.com is the website. Go there. Use their string builder. You can do the the Platinum, the Premium, or the Pursuit Series. We shoot the Platinum, was which is the top end. Mm-hmm. I've been shooting those for going on six years now. Literally, no, no. There's no peep twist, no string stretch. That's what they hang their hat on, and it. They literally stand by it. You can use the code the fall to save some money on that to get yourself a new string. But I will say they are backed up right now. Everybody's wanting a string right busy. now, so they're they're busy. It might take you some time to get it. So if you're looking for one right now. Get it now. Order we, it now. We, we told everyone months ago. Months don't wait, ago. Don't wait. Let Been me ask. You, let me th- ask you this though, Aaron. What colors would? When you look around right now, what two colors would someone build a string off of today? Mason blue. You got it. You got it. Yeah. You fucking. <laughs> you fucking betcha. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right, everybody. First. Thank you for uh, all the support and all the downloads. Go to iTunes. Leave a five star rating. Leave a written review. Do the same thing on Spotify. It is always greatly appreciated. We are going to drink another beer, and it is almost it is almost game time. We got two hours until game time. We got a couple more beers, a couple more uh, bags games, and I can't read that it's too far. We got planes flying around. Yeah, we love cannabis in in the city. Bloom city, of, go blue. Oh, go blue. Okay, there we go. <laughs> we got like eight planes doing laps around here, just yep. selling their product. Mike the roofer is selling his uh, roofing over here, and my wife goes. How does he afford that? You know, Mike is like probably not like uh, rolling in the dough. Wait, do you, you know? hold on? Is is Mike like inspecting every roof right now, flying Who knows? around? <laughs> I don't even know if his name's Mike. It's just called Roofing.com. Yeah, <laughs> guys, definitely name is Ron. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed, his name's Ron. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for all the support, and uh, thank you for bearing with us for this intro. But we're at the big house. We had to do an intro, so um, I know you guys are gonna. Uh, really enjoy this episode with uh, Justin Hollinsworth. So thank you guys very much. And we will see you here next time on the fall podcast. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the fall podcast. And uh, today we have Mr. Justin Hollinsworth on Justin. Thanks for coming on, man. This is, I don't know. You've been on a couple times, maybe three, four times, maybe. And you know, it's always enjoyable to have you on and you're one of the elite guys. And I've told you that from the get go. You do things at a very high level, and I can't wait to pick your brain again today. Well, I'm glad to glad to be on. I've known you guys for for a while now, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of cool too. There's a lot of uh, you know my good friends and stuff like that. I've been on you know Troy and Heath, and a lot of the guys have been on a, a lot of your podcasts. So yeah, it's always it's a, 
it's always fun to listen to all their lies along, you know, <laughs> on these podcasts. Well, you know, Troy, you can exclude Troy a little bit, but you and Heath, you know, you guys are from Ohio. You know, we did throw a little shade at yep. you in the intro, but I don't really know if I can believe a lot of what you guys say because, you know, you guys, you Buckeye fans, it's really hard to to believe what's coming out of your mouth well, sometimes. That can go both ways there, you know. <laughs> you up there. Hey. DJ, I'll take it. <laughs> yep. A good, healthy rivalry is always two good. Years, two years of winning on us, and now here we go. You yeah. know, now it's <laughs> that rivalry needed it, though. It needs to go back and forth every so often. It needed it. It was time for it to refreshen it up, but we're here now, and hopefully this year, after watching the game Saturday against Bowling Green, you might you might just wax the floor with us. So it was not a good showing. Well, it I I agree though. It does it 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 needed to get back to that again. You know, it kind of lost its uh, you know, lost its thing there for a while. Um, but it's um, you know, one actually one of my best friends. He's a diehard Michigan fan. He's a diehard. He grew up in it. And um, he's been a diehard Michigan fan forever. And so I have to listen to his shit all the time, <laughs> you know, the last couple of years. I love it. <laughs> I, lo- I, I got to ask you, Justin, um, since this podcast is airing the week of Ohio State goes on the road to Notre Dame, give me a prediction because I'm telling you what, I think it's going to be a hell of a good game to watch. I'm a little nervous about that game. Yeah. I, um, I, I will say, you know, after watching a couple games, um, I do think I do think we could pull it out in the in the fourth quarter. But I think it's going to take all four quarters to to make that happen. I just, to me, I mean, those two those two wide receivers we got they're pretty they're pretty hard to to uh, to get by. They made a stat the other day, Marvin Harrison Jr. I never heard this before. They said that he is the fastest. He's the fastest player in college football and the NFL. Really? Oh, really? That's wow. what they said on Sat. I don't. I mean, that's what the announcer said on Saturday. Um, which that really surprised me when he said the NFL. I was like, wow. So yeah, I don't I, know. I I heard a thing, you know, because they're always you know talking about his dad. You know, they like, well, he he's he plays like his dad, but he's he's a lot faster than what his dad was. That that's what I always hear him talk about being faster. But you know, going on the road and playing in a night atmosphere anywhere in the country, that it that's a tall task no matter where you go. I mean, going down oh, yeah. to South Bend, you know, their their team is playing at a high level right now too, where it's like, man, it's I, it's a tough place to play. It's like going it's like going to Penn State for a whiteout game, you know. Penn State could lose every game of the season. And if you go there for the whiteout game, oh, man, that's a tough place to play. Oh, yeah. Ohio State just – they went through that just three or four years ago where they went to mm-hmm. Penn State. It was a night game, and they got beat. But, yep. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still trying to feel out this quarterback a little bit that we have. I don't. I, that's my question mark with them, really. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I'll tell you, though, is is, you know – even a non-Ohio State fan here, when you watch Ohio State in the beginning and you may see the struggles of the quarterback, the one thing about Ohio State is they usually have it figured out come November. That's usually yeah. that's usually the case where like it's real easy for us Michigan fans to go, oh man, they don't look that good where it's like, you know, settle down guys. They'll they'll have it figured out by the time the game rolls around. Yeah. Well, they they usually put yeah. 
I feel like they do this with Michigan, Ohio State, all of them. Like they'll put two, three games there early in the season. It's like a, it's almost like a warm up until mm-hmm. they actually face somebody decent, and and then I, you know, this this game we're gonna we'll we'll see what they're made of. Yep, for sure. Yep. Yeah, I could sit here and talk football all day, you know, but we do have <laughs> some good topics on the whitetail front, and actually one yep. that uh, you know, Justin. That's something that all three of us were private land guys, um, but we also, you know, we we are somewhat farm managers in a way, more so you than uh, David and I. But we, you know, I dabble in it. David dabbles in it a little bit. But honestly, the topic that I think we're going to talk about today, kind of frowned upon, and I like that. So, you know, you bought a farm mm-hmm. uh, just over a year ago, right? Yep. Yep. And then, so you, yep, I, a I feel like every time I turn around and I see you and your boy are out there just, you know, developing that land, which is really cool to see. And that's what I want to dive into today. So like, first and foremost, like what made you want to buy a farm? Well, and you guys are, I think you guys are very similar in, in, in this aspect of, you know, we've been knocking on doors and gaining permission to pieces for a long time and that's a you know that's an ongoing um process um because you can ne- if you don't own it you can't get comfortable enough to think that you're going to have it the following year so you gotta and in order to play the game with the kind of animals that we all want to chase them every fall then you got to continue to knock on doors and then you lose pieces and then you gain some and it's just this i don't know and it it, and i've always wanted to own my own piece and and um it just started to become more of a reality you know i started you know just socking some money away because the biggest you know the biggest hurdle that most people have is putting that you know that 20 or 30 percent down and um to be able to have my own piece that if i wanted to go put a food plot in that corner i can do it if i wanted to go you know hinge hinge cut a you know a a, you know a, a certain bench or something like that then i could just go in there and do it you know whatever you know just being able to have the ability to you know not have somebody to you know yeah, that you have to ask all the time to do certain things, and and then it's and even when you're when you're hunting private and you have permission, you know that's a touchy thing to ask. Uh, you know, uh, ask a landowner. You know, they don't understand what guys like us are. You know what we're trying to do, and you know what the the value of of that you know food plot is, or just habitat projects in in general. But man, when it's yours. Um, man, it just, it, that gets addicting. That gets it like, I I mean, since having that piece, I, there's times where I get an idea in my head and I mean, it just burns me up until, you know, and my, and my piece is an hour away. So it's not like I can just jump over there and do this stuff anytime. So then, you know, I, yeah, I can't take it. So I got to get over there and, you know, and I'll spend the whole day and I, I don't, you know, especially now, you know, now at this point in the season or whatever, I've done so much in this t- in the time frame that I've, I've, since I bought it, but it, um, 
you know, now to the point where I'm like, okay, just stay out of there. But you don't need to be in there jacking around, doing all kinds of stuff, you know, just, you know, let it ride and let the deer get comfortable. And, um, but that, that was the biggest thing was being, you know, I've lost a lot of pieces to hunt over the years. I've lost some of my, my best pieces. Um, and a lot of them are, uh, actually two of them right now are, they're being developed, you know, there's apartments going on one and a big, you know, a subdivision going on another, you know, and it's, you know, you don't, you know, I don't have money to compete with those people to buy those pieces. So, yeah. And it's what, what's tough is, you know, when, when you don't own something and you're not paying the taxes on something or you, you can lose it any day and the constant development of pieces of ground where it's like, you know, God isn't making any more land, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's quickly going away. And also like, you know, I know, I know you got, you got a son yourself where it's like all of a sudden you start really thinking about, man, if I do own my land, no matter what happens with all my permission pieces, or if the public ground around me goes away, no matter what my son will have a little piece of land that he can forever hunt on if he chooses to. And I, I think there's something to be that that's something special in itself right there. For sure. I think you're leaving, you know, a little, a little bit of as far as, you know, you know, owning a piece of ground and stuff. And, um, I don't know. There's it's, it is, it's special. I mean, when you, you know, buy that piece, it's nerve wracking when you're buying that piece. Cause you, you know, it's just like when you bought your first house, right? You're like, oh, shit, can I afford this? Can we do this? You know, and it's it's funny. Yeah, I mean, you just figure out ways, you know, you, it, it's all it's all possible. But, um, you know, I, I think like to your point, like with they're not making any more of this. And I can tell you just in the short amount of time that I've owned that piece, I mean, I've been I've had a couple offers already to sell it. And, really? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I just had a, I just had an offer last month to sell it, and um, I could make good money on it. Um, but then I'm right back in the same boat, and I'm looking for something. And you know, with interest rates, you know, eight nine percent, and and um, you know, just the price of land and stuff like that. You know, I just you know, you're just better off. It's a you got to have some patience in this land game for sure. Yeah. When, when you and your family finally decided to, you know, like, Hey, yeah, we, we can do this. We could buy a piece of land. Was, was there a lot out there available for you to look at or, or really the, the pickings pretty slim? Uh, it's pretty slim. Uh, the market was, you know, the market's still kind of that way. Um, even with the interest rates, which surprised me, they're still, um, I still think inventory is low. Um, but you know, I looked at probably that was about probably two years looking um, for a piece. And there were several pieces that um, I made offers on um, that, you know, I just the one I had one and and it was the actually there's the very first piece that I ever walked. Actually, Heath and I went over there and walked it and um, he met me over there. So when we went over there and walked it, um, we knew it was a good piece. And, it, but 
you know, I was a little hesitant. I was a little gun shy and just getting into that a little bit. And um, I went and got into a bidding war. And I didn't stay in it very long because I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Like he, he wants it. He can, he can take it or whatever. But then I had another piece um, that I made, made a couple offers on and didn't get it. When this one came up, it came up for sale on a Friday at noon. I called the guy by one, had an appointment with him at 7 a.m. The next morning we walked the piece for, for two hours and it was kind of funny every time we were walking his phone would ring i said don't answer that if you want to sell this piece don't answer that phone <laughs> and i would not let him answer his phone i said if it's your wife or your kids i said but they're not answering that phone i said give me my chance and so then when we got done i just i made him an offer for asking yeah and so by uh by one o'clock that day um i uh I I had it under contract. Nice, nice. Now, when when you were looking at properties like that, did you kind of have you know? I'm sure there were some things in your mind that you're looking for, but were there some top priorities that you're like, man, I'd really like to see this property hold, you know, A, B, and C, or if if I can get two out of the three things, and then it really has my interest. Yeah, um, access. Um, that's the I that was probably my well area you know you, you mm -hmm. want to get into those areas that are kind of known or you know we've got some good genes um i'd heard a few guys said that you know that area wasn't known for some good genes but i did a lot of research in that and i knew of quite a few upper end you know 180 plus type deer that had been killed in that area and I knew that, you know, that was that was one part of it, but access, you know, I didn't want anything with West access. If I had to come from the West coming into it, I didn't want it. Um, looked at it, I actually looked at a couple pieces that were good farms, nice farms, but I didn't like the access. So East preferably, um, maybe something, you know, or from, you know, the North, Northeast kind of moving into the farm because I don't know about you guys, but we get a lot of uh, west, the southwest, the south winds, it seems like, unless it's like, you know, late November going into January, you know, going into late season or something like that. Then you get into more of those north winds. But um, uh, and I wanted something, too, that um, at least had some open ground because I, I looked at a bunch of pieces, too, that. There was a lot of timber, you know, it was going to, it was going to take a lot. It was going to take a lot of dozer work and stuff like that to really get them where I wanted them. And um, even the timber wasn't, you know, the timber wasn't, it wasn't like it was a bunch of nice white oaks and walnuts and stuff like that, where, you know, you got some, you know, big value uh, timber. Um, so, you know, I wanted something that had some open, you know, um, you know, my piece has got about, uh, it's got about 20 acres of uh, tillable on it. So that way it gives me a little bit of an option to be able to do, you know, some, you know, habitat stuff, um, food plots, um, you know, big thing for me, some of the best farms I've ever hunted. Um, the one thing that I've always seen that always, for whatever reason, always had a big deer on it was anything that had just, 
overgrown, tall grass, kind of, you know, that CRP look um, to it, you know, it just seemed like those, those farms always held the bigger deer. So I turned um, about 10 acres of my stuff into the pollinator program this year. Question on that, that tall grass comment right there. You know, we could, I could see two sides of it. I'm curious if you see one side more than the other. When, when you know, when you correlate the big bucks to using properties with, you know, tall CRP or taller native grasses, you think it's because, A, maybe because of just the, the use of bedding or the fact that they can maneuver through the property more and still be in, in cover a higher percentage of the time? I, I think it has to do, well, I think there's a, a couple different things there. I think um, the cover aspect of it, how what you were just saying, how they can just move through there and just feel secure. But man, there's so much browse in there for them to eat at the same time. I think I think it's uh, you know it's twofolded really because you got both of those things kind of going going there for them to where they can you know use it for cover, they can bed in it, you know, especially even when it gets cold, you know, when it gets cold they're bedding in that tall grass well they got they got the sun on them all day, you know, and the wind off of them from the grass. Yeah. So um I think a lot of those I think a lot of those things factor into it. But I don't think people give those native grasses and stuff like that enough credit for as much browse as as it gives them. I mean, that's the big thing, I think. Right. Stem counts huge. And, you know, I love the CRP stuff. I always said, like, you know, give me a CRP farm with, you know, some cedars in it. And I can put, I can manipulate whatever I need to. If that's, if that's what I got to have. My, I mean, my, my perfect scenario is like a Kansas, Illinois, Iowa, wherever CRP with just cedars all around in it because you can take, you can put food in there. You can, you know, manipulate the deer movement, how much you want. You can hunt them out of box blinds if you, if you, if you don't have any trees. And I just think, I just think deer, like you said, Justin, like they just like to hang out in it. They just they feel safer in it for some odd reason, you know, with the cover and it, it, they just feel safer. And I mean, who doesn't want to see a buck in the morning with frost on his back and chasing about four does around the CRP, just like, you know, foaming at the mouth. It's about the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, there's something to that. And I, they just, I mean, some of the, some of the biggest deer I've ever been able to find has been randomly, you know, just in a field like that. And, and, you know, you know, you, you look back over, you know, all the years of, you know, of this being your passion and what you're, you know, what you're into, you think back on some of the, some of those giants that you've seen, it's like, you know what, it always had big cover like that on it. And, and so, you know, I thought I would rather, if I got 20 acres of tillable out there, I want at least 10, uh, 10 acres of it in that, you know, and then, uh, you know, the rest are just a, you know, a diverse, uh, you know, amount of food, you know, from standing beans to, you know, your radishes and turnips, the clovers to, you know, winter wheat and rye and this, give them a little bit of everything, you know, as much yep. as you can. Yeah. 
Yep. So I, I got to ask you, Justin. See, so you, you walked the 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 piece that you all know. You walked it that morning. You had an offer in there that day. And what what was like? How how did you tell the wife that you're like, hey, that this is it. <laughs> I yeah, I put an offer on it. Like th this is the piece. This is absolutely the one for our family. Yeah. Well, she knew the night before. I said, hey, be prepared because I'm. You know, I'm going to I'm going to make a I'm going to make an offer. And um, and if if it's what I'm looking for. And so. I I think how did it go? Oh, I I called her in between. I said, hey, I'm going to make an offer. She's like, are you sure? And I was like, <laughs> yes, because if I would have said what I was really thinking, well, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think I'm sure. But I've just said, yep, 100 percent. I'm sure and let's do it so then and uh, uh yeah, she's probably always been a little bit more on the conservative side than me but you know i can you know you think about think about successful people that that you know and that you've came across over the years or whatever you know they they never they were never successful by not taking gambles i mean you have to take some gambles i mean whether that's in you know, whatever business that you're in, if it's real estate, whether, you know, whether it's a, a, a big deer, I mean, and putting that big deer, you know, like, I mean, if, if you always played it safe on a big deer, uh, I tell you what, we probably would all have about half the bucks that we do on, a, on our walls now, you know, so, you know, but, you know, I, you know, it's like, you know, I've always, I've said this about, you know, my boss and it, He's he's not afraid to he's not afraid to take a gamble, and um, but it's made him really successful over the years too. You know, you got to take some chances. Yep, for sure, for sure. Justin, how many acres is your farm? It's just seventy five. Okay, and so yeah. you talk about uh, tillable to, you know, to hardwood and everything like that. Now, how flat is it? Is it pretty flat or has it got some good topography or, or what is it kind of laid out for us like in a in an audio picture if you can? It's it's pretty um the fields are pretty uh they're rolling. Um um a couple of them are pretty you know, fairly flat. Um but then once you get into the timber then then you got some you got some hills. Um you got some ravines. You got a nice, you know, you got some of these there's some really nice the one thing I really liked about it is some of the points that jetted off from some of these uh from some of these hillsides. I just as soon as I walked into them the deer were already naturally bed, bedding in them and I'm like okay, I'm definitely going to come in here with the chainsaw and make these even better and it, you know the and the way the access is is coming into the property you can pretty much make most of the deer bed on the back side which is the west side of the property by just doing some work they were kind of naturally doing that anyway so when i noticed when i seen that and i thought boy if i can put the food out here and having my access from this point with every everything bedding off on the back side of this my you know my access in and out should be you know pretty you know pretty easy even on like a lot of private pieces that i've had permission on before you know 
that's the one thing I always looked at. I've had some really good permission pieces over the years, but the access was horrible. And you almost had to to get lucky, and that very very rarely ever happened um, on getting one of those deer killed on those pieces because as soon as you stepped foot, they had you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've always kind of looked for that. You know, that access, the access thing is just—it's everything. I wouldn't buy. I would not buy a place if if I didn't think I could get in and out of it and have. You know, I don't want to just hunt, you know, a spot one time, right. you know, I want to be able to come in and out of that thing and, um, you know, not have to worry about that. I'll tell you what, yeah. I've got a permission piece that is absolutely dynamite, but has the worst access like you talk about. And it's, I don't give it up because the permission piece is, I don't want to give too much away. It's just too easy. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's a permission. I have, I have lifetime permission on it and it'll hold a big deer, you know? And, but it's one of those things that's like, you might only get three shots at it the whole fall. And the, the, every star has to align. The wind has to align. The, the deer can't be in there has to align kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's kind of a, yeah. a situation where you have to catch a deer like a midday deer traveling, you know, it, it you got to get lucky, like you said. And I, I really enjoy hunting it, but I don't enjoy hunting it because <laughs> you don't see a lot of deer, but when you do see the deer, it's probably going to be the one, you know, but the ax, yeah. it's all due to the access. So the access is absolutely horrible. Those, those pieces are so tough. I got to, piece that I've had permission on for a long time and the access is through a field so in the morning it's like how do you get in there in the morning without blowing it up then to get back to the timber um it's what timber is 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 there is a big there's a ravine on the other side of it so for in the evenings then all your thermal, all your thermals are pulling right down into that thing. It is like it is a complete crapshoot on, you know, as far as access in the morning and then to hunt it in the evening, you know. And even if you go in there and say you got away with some thermals pulling down into the into those ravines and you did get busted, well, everything that made it out behind you now you got to walk back across it again. So it's like. If you don't kill the if you don't kill the deer that you're after the first time in there, it is a shit show. I mean, it's just deer are running and blowing everywhere, and it's just so frustrating. Every, I've I've hunted that place for a long time, and every single time I've ever, ever, ever I ever go for it, every time I leave and I don't kill, I'm so frustrated driving home. I'm like, God, I hate that place. I'm like, <laughs> I should just. Yeah. Walk away from it and be done with it. I know, but it's also those pieces that are like, like I said, they're almost like you have permission for as long as you want it. And it's another spot to go. So you might not burn up other areas. It's like, I still like having it in the back of my pocket, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like you said, those are back of the pocket pieces, you know, where like what Justin said about, you know, access being like kind of at the very top of his list. Like, 
that's not groundbreaking, but no one wants to go spend, you know, six figures on a spot for a just a back of the pocket piece. You know what I mean? Like that's why we go get permission on the five and ten acres other places, you know, or something. Yep. You're spending the money on it. Damn, I sure want to be able to hunt it more than any time the wind blows out of the east or northeast, you know, because that's not very often. And you know, and you have to have a lot of pieces. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're gonna try to kill big deer, you have to have you know, I mean, if you're going to get stuck on one or two pieces, I mean, you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to eat a lot of tags. You know, you need to be, you know, uh, I, I go, I mean, every lead, every person that I come across that, you know, there, there might be the possibility of, you know, getting access to a piece of property. Like I'm always going to try to get that permission slip every day, even if I never hunt it ever. Mm-hmm. And just at least run a camera on it or something just to see if there's something halfway decent in there to go after. But um, because you never know when you might you might have a piece for five years, you never hunted it, but you ran cameras on it. And all of a sudden that fifth or sixth year, all of a sudden a giant shows up on it. Well, now now it's go time. And that's mm-hmm. happened to me a few times, actually. Um yeah. But I just want as many pieces as I, you know, possibly can, you know, and spread out in different areas and, you know, because just like, you know, we were talking before, it just changes so much with the, these pieces being sold and, and uh, it, it's hard to not get attached to some of these pieces though when you don't own them. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I will say a couple things in there. I think that's something that's not talked about very often is having multiple spots, having multiple farms. You nailed it, Justin. Like the more you can have, the better your odds are gonna be. Um just because you can keep your keep you know keep out of there in a lot of time a lot of different instances, you're you're almost spread too thin to be able to screw it up in a way. You know? Yep. And the other thing is that uh the emotional attachment so I've been a private land hunter my whole life and my family farm, you know, it's been in the family for a long time since the fifties and my dad's hunted it since the late seventies. And then I've hunted it my whole life. And like, you know, it's 218 acres, but it's like, I have an emotion, emotional attachment to it. Like I literally, if that ever goes away, I'd probably cry just because that's like, you know, I know a lot of guys can, can kind of like, just, you know, turnover pieces like I you know it's not that good like but I, I I'm, I'm it's kind of like being a Lions fan you you got to get through all the shitty years yeah. to get yeah. the one good year and then you got to get through all the shitty years again it's a lot like a Lions fan really um it's like being a Browns fan. or a Browns fan there you go you know you know exactly <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about but the emotional attach emotional attachment is really hard to get over now with you owning your own farm now and being in it a year and hunting it for a fall and coming into your next, your second fall, are you getting emotionally attached to it? Or is it one of those things that like the right offer comes by the, by the desk? Could you, could you like, let it go? Great question. Oh, it's hard. It's, it's, it's really hard to not get attached to it, especially when, you know, especially when you go over there and you work your ass off on it, you know, and you're just, you know, you know, yeah. I might throw some stuff on my, like my Instagram story or whatever, being out there and working or whatever, but man, you don't see, you know, 
the times that I leave the house at four, drive out there with my tractor and my trailer and all the stuff I got loaded up and I spend the whole day and then I pull back in at, you know, at, at dark. I mean, you don't see that. And it's hard to not, I mean, when you put that kind of time and effort into something, it's hard to, you know, not get attached to it. And, and it's fun trying to like, you know, try to design this thing and try to make it hunt the way that you want it to hunt, you know, and make the deer do the things that you want them to do. Um, because, you know, under any other circumstances of uh, permission farms that I have, I, I can't do that kind of stuff. Now I do have some good landowners that let me do some, you know, they'll let me do some projects and stuff like that on their pieces. But, um, you know, you can't get carried away with that, you know, and you got to respect it. It's theirs at the end of the day. And, um, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I don't know how I don't get attached to it. You know, well, then, then, then you add in, you know, cause I, I've, I've seen your boy out there helping you work too. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you have him planting trees and maybe you're, you know, you're talking to him, think, telling him, you know, like, well, one day son, like th this tree is going to be, big enough to produce fruit or you can hunt in this tree or whatever the case may be. We're like, there's gotta be some, some big attachment there also. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what, we, you know, we did a lot of that in the, in the spring this year, I planted about 60 trees out there, fruit trees. And, um, and yeah, he was my, uh, he was my, my hole digger. I mean, he was, mm -hmm. he was out there, Heck, I couldn't keep up with him. He was digging the hole so fast. And I, I just had to follow in behind him. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, it's it's really fun to do to do all that kind of stuff. And it is it, that will be cool, you know, down the road when, you know, those trees are producing and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, you know, I see it like, you know, with Heath, Heath and he's got a, his farm, you know, and he, he was out there with his girls, you know, doing that kind of stuff years ago. And now all his trees are all, you know, producing apples and pears and persimmons and, you know, you name it. But, but, you know, the other part of that is too, is I, I will say that, you know, if I had a, a particular piece that was like a honey hole that came, you know, up that I had an opportunity at and, and, um, you know, that piece was, uh, I had to sell that piece to get that one. And, um, you know, I, I, I'd probably sell it, you know, yeah. but it's nothing I'm, you know, I want to do any, anytime soon. Um, but it is, I, it's just different when it's yours, when you own it and you can do all these things. I mean, it's just, and I don't think, I don't think that. I don't think this stuff is so far out of reach like a lot of us might think. I mean, I, you know, I, you guys probably, a friend of mine, Skip Sly, Skip's been, he's a Michigan guy, moved from Michigan to Iowa, and he's been flipping, he's been flipping farms and doing this stuff for a long time. And boy, he used to always, you know, him and I used to always talk about this stuff. And, you know, he's like, oh, dude, you don't need that. You don't need that nice truck. You don't need, you guys don't need to go out to dinner. You, you, you got to scale back on this and scale back on that. And that's, he did a lot of those things for a lot of years and uh, made a lot of sacrifices and um, was able to, you know, eventually um, he's been flipping farms for 20 years now. And now he owns, 
probably one of the best pieces in Iowa, honestly. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you talked about, you know, the planting the apple trees and the fruit trees, Justin. Now, when you bought this piece, was there any kind of whitetail work or, you know, land work being done on that already? Or was this like a, a kind of a blank canvas for you to play with? It was a blank canvas. Nobody, um, the guy that had it before, not a hunter, um, actually inherited the property. Um, and, and then there was a guy that was farmed it. I'm, I'm good friends with those guys or they're really good guys. And, um, and they used to hunt it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so they, um, there was no kind of whitetail work or no habitat stuff, you know, you know, going on on it. So it was pretty much, you know, it was bare bones and I could go in there and kind of use my imagination and try to figure out exactly how I wanted to set it up. Yeah. When, so I, I'm sure you kind of, after you walked it, purchased the property, you guys celebrated and I'm sure you probably had a list of ideas in your head, what you'd like to do to it. Now I got to ask you, like, was that was it almost a little bit overwhelming and like right at first when you're thinking, man, I got all these ideas, but it's like, shit, where do I start? Because this is going to take some man hours here to get all this stuff done. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you immediately go into. Well, the first thing you always want to do, especially guys like us, we're like, you know, we want to think where we're going to put a food plot or whatever. And um, I think the first thing I did, um, I planted about 20 apple trees on it. I just wanted to do something. And, I got a question for you right there. Because I'm in the in, or I'm in the market for planting apple trees here in the next year or two. What do you yeah. recommend as far as apple trees for? Because you're probably looking at like wanting some hybrids maybe or some quick producers maybe. But like, yeah. what what did you go with and what do you recommend? Um, I did a lot of Honeycrisp. Um, and I did some gala, I've done some, uh, crab apple. Um, the crab apples are, they're nice cause they, um, they produce pretty, pretty early. And, um, uh, so I do like the apples, but I will say after now kind of getting in, into this more and doing more research and, you know, talking to, you know, buddies like my my buddy Skip and stuff like that. Um, these chestnut trees. They, I, I bought some chestnuts this year that were probably maybe a foot or two tall, and I put them in those tubes, and they're like five foot tall already. And I planted wow. those in the spring, and they're like five foot tall. And wow. and within within two years, they'll start producing. Wow. And and then also. Um, uh, kefir pears. Um, they're another one grows super fast and produce just in a few short years. So I was kind of starting to look at some of that stuff, you know, of like thinking, you know, cause a lot of these apple trees, you know, just on like this piece here where, I, you know, where I live, where my house is, you know, my apple trees, I planted those like six, probably six years ago or so. And they're just starting to get a few apples mm -hmm. on them. You know, so yep. it, it, it takes a while, but, uh, persimmon trees, that's another one, um, pretty, you know, uh, fast growing and, uh, but those, those chestnuts, those have been, you know, 
that's been that's been pretty uh pretty interesting to see how quickly they grow and um I know that you know talking to you know Heath planted some just a few years ago and his are already producing mm-hmm. so after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers if we've learned anything it's that there's always a catch so when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com. I once uh, I once heard a guy talk about planting apple trees um, on his whitetail farm that he liked to plant a different variety so then they were kind of dropping or they became, you know, sweet or ripe at different times of the year instead of all of his, all the apples producing at the exact same time. I, I thought, I was like, damn, that, that kind of makes a little bit yeah. of sense. Yeah, and I, I, I did that actually. So I bought them from a nursery. And when I did that, um, there was trees, they had them all, they had them all labeled. And so you could buy them to where they started. They started to drop in September. You had ones that dropped in October into November and like, and even like the persimmons, the chestnuts, even the pears, they all do that. So you can, you know, maybe you buy four, you know, four pairs that drop in September, four that drop in October, and vice, you know, all the way down. The thing that I liked about the persimmons so much is they'll hang on to their fruit all the way into January. And it's like mm-hmm. a slow drop. It's not like a like an apple tree, you know, typically will just like within a matter of like a month, I mean, sometimes they'll be completely dropped. Yeah. yeah. Um that's the only problem with the apple tree sometimes. But I tell you what, there's 
and you know this just hunting you know just pieces of private i mean if you find an apple tree or a pear tree or something like that it is money oh yeah. i mean oh, yeah. it is, i mean i randomly just found one two weeks ago on a piece that i hunt and i was i was actually walking the fence road just to look for just to see if the acorns were dropping and found this apple tree and it was loaded i mean so i buzzed right back to the truck and put a camera on that thing right away and uh i haven't checked i haven't checked the camera yet i'm just kind of letting it soak for a while because I'm, I'm hoping to i'm hoping something good shows up on that thing but man there are tons of apples on that so you know another thing i've done too finding just random apple trees or pear trees on private pieces that you just got permission on you'll find these things sometimes if you can go in there and you can do a little pruning on those trees and then dump and then dump some fertilizer on that tree you would not believe the results that you'll get within the next couple of years so funny you say yeah. that because we did that this year so we have on our family farm we have there's more than this but we we I want to say we have like eight or 10 apple trees amongst the whole farm, but there's really about five or six really good producers in the past. And we have not trimmed them in years. I'm going to say at least 10, 12 years, maybe if not longer. And we went in this year and I mean, almost gutted them. Like, you know, yeah. basically to the point where you look at it, it looks like Mr. Miyagi's little, little tree like that was just like gutted. And the big thing about it was, was the surrounding trees because they're on field edges too. So they weren't getting a lot of sunlight. I'll mm -hmm. tell you what, man, we went in there and pruned them, did the whole gamut. Right now there is limbs breaking on them because there's so many apples on them and they are, oh, yeah. they're apples that you can go up and pick and in like a good size apple and eat it right off the tree. And I'm like, and the deer are hammering them right now. Like, it it is ridiculous. It it is something it's it's a little different right now because we have so many acorns dropping. So many reds mm -hmm. dropping right now. There's hardly any whites out there. So many reds dropping. You still really can't get a pattern on them. I mean, it's kind of one of those like hope and pray kind of things like maybe they pick this tonight cuz there's so many there there's just so much food out there right now. But I will say if you can pick the right time early season or something there's so many apples on it right now. And, and it, it, it only, we pruned it in the spring and here coming into the fall, I'm targeting at that, targeting the hell out of these things for sure. Oh, I've killed yeah. a couple really nice bucks off of some, some apple and pear trees before I killed a, uh, well, it was actually, it's probably about eight years ago. I killed 168 inch 10 off of, um, there was uh, a pear tree in there that was just dumping pears everywhere. And that I went in there and was poking around. I couldn't figure out what this deer was quite doing. It was the first week of season. So it was like, a, I think it was like around October 5th or 6th or something like that. And I seen a big rub that was just ripped up back there. And I remember seeing that, seeing that from a stand. And I went back there the next day. And when I walked in there, and seeing that, I'm like, oh, this is this is it, you know. And I hung that set that night, and and he and he he came in, 
he was the only deer I seen all night and, and he came in and it was, it was perfect. That's awesome. And, yeah. but you know, you just gotta, you know, you gotta be out there. I mean, it kind of goes back to, you know, a lot of the stuff that I think, uh, it's real easy for a lot of us to just get real, um, used to just looking at trail cam pictures all the time and thinking that we know the story. And that thing is just snapping just a small shot of like really what's going on. And how many times, like, you know, I, and I, I still find myself doing this and I, I openly admit to this, that I will get, you know, real, you know, used to just want to look at these trail cam pictures all the time. And, and then all of a sudden it's, when you go and poke around and you just start, you know, you know, looking at the tracks and, 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 and trying to read the sign and stuff like that and get in there, get your, you know, get your boots on the ground. That's when you really figure out some things that, you know, that trail camera, you know, wasn't telling you. Cause if I like that deer, for example, I mean, I, I, if I wouldn't have went in there, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that. And when I got in there, it was like, I mean, any one of us, any the three, any one of the three of us would have walked in there and said, "Oh, this is it's game on," mm-hmm. and and been able to you know go in there and, and kill that deer in that in that first set. Yeah. But I think I you know trail cameras I think been one of the the best advancements in hunting. I you know it's you know been around or it's came around in, in years, but it's also saved a lot of deer's lives too. Yeah. I'll tell you what, right now it's uh saving some deer lives, right? I'm going to be saving them October 1st because I'm the type of guy and David knows, like I got to have, feel like I have an upper edge on the deer for me to ha- get excited and like go in there after him. Like I hate just going, throwing a sit somewhere, like just randomly. Yeah. I, I hate that. Yeah. I feel like I'm pissing in the wind, honestly. So I got, I got to feel like I got to have, whether that's a trail cam picture, whether that's a scrape or a, a rub line or anything, I've got to feel like I got to have that edge. But right now my cameras, you know, are not showing anything at all. Like hardly, you know, and there, and there's no pattern, absolutely no pattern. It's showing me where a deer, what side of the farm he's on, which, you know, that could be an upper edge too, but like, yeah, you know, right now. I'm not going off of hardly any trail cam data going in October one to be, you know, getting after a deer. I can say that. So it's it, it's a it's a love hate for sure. It's like you love them at sometimes, but then it's like more more times than not, I hate them because it's like it just mm-hmm. has the mental game. Just like what am I doing? You know, I have no idea. So oh yeah. yeah. Let me ask let me ask you guys this and we'll start with Justin and there's there's no right or wrong answer here but this is something I think about often. I want give me a give me your best guess for a ratio for every one time you get a picture of of the buck you're after on a you know particular trail camera how many times do you think he's within let's call it 50 yards of that trail camera but you actually never get a picture so is it like to me a lot of times I think it's Every one time I get a picture of him, there's probably three to four times he's within 50 yards of there, but I'm just not picking him up on the camera. Do you get you guys? You guys ever thought about that? Two, two and ten, because I'm because I've watched because I've watched it because that's the one thing right there is, um, it. I love the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to get out there in glass, 
And that's what I've seen that a bunch of different times before where I'll have, I'll think I have everything covered. Right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I got this place all covered and this and that. And then I'll set up somewhere in glass and I might glass for, you know, three days in a row, see the buck three days in a row and never get a picture of the thing. And it's I got just, that same thing happening this year, dude. I I have that exact scenario happening. Happened this morning. This the this morning exactly. Your own eyes never lie to you. That's mm-hmm. that's the one thing I do know. And those trail cameras, I think, and I love them. I use I use tons of them, you know. And but boy, you your eyes never lie. I mean, as you what you see is, I mean, that's that's it's um. You know, and it's fun too, you know, when you do see those deer doing something and now, you know, say it's season or whatever, and now you get to go play, you know, put a move on that deer that's just did, that's just done something. I, I love that. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? What what what's your ratio? Man, what do you I think? I don't know. I, I'm with Justin on this because you know me, DJ. Like I love to glass. You take my glass away from me, like I am a fish out of water. I hate it. Like I'm glassing when season's on, I'm glassing just about every morning because I have the ability to be able to do it with my job. Like I can go glass and I would almost much rather glass than go sit, you know, in these open areas and this, this big egg that I can hunt. But last year, my first deer that I killed, I saw, I glassed him up in the morning, going back in to this timber. I knew where he was going to go bad because from my pre-scouting, like I've, like I've got this 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 bedding area pretty narrowed down. Timber's not that big. Um, and then as I'm getting ready at like three o'clock that afternoon, you know, I, I and I'm I'm heading back out to the farm and I'm he he steps out of the out of the timber, but he's about eighty yards down from this hub scrape that I have a camera on. And do you think I got a picture of him? I didn't get a picture of him all that day, you know. And and it's a scrape. It's a scrape that's hit every year. It's a historical scrape. So I had to wait him out. I watched him go back in the timber, and I'm like, well, I'm going to go slip in the stand now. Go slip in the stand, and right before dark, here he comes. And I shoot him at 11 yards going to that scrape, you know? And it's like, so there's an instance right there. I would have never known that that deer was there if I didn't put my eyes on him, you know? So I Mm -hmm. I think it happens more times than not. I don't know what the ratio would be, but honestly, DJ, you know the couple cameras that you see a lot of my trail cams, Mm -hmm. like, and the deer that I have on them, there's an area that I've got, I feel like I've got every door covered out of this bedding area. I feel like I do, but you know what? I hardly ever get these deer on camera ever. And I'm like, what, you know, but he's probably slipping through, you know, another little spot, 60, 70 yards away. And honestly, the approach that I'm going to take to it, this, this, you know, this opener is I'm going with the numbers. I know he's on that side of the farm. I just got to get in there and figure it out. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I it's just it's a fun thing to think about because I like like Justin said we at some point anyone that runs a trail camera myself included you guys we we all fall guilty to it. We just do. It just naturally happens. But man, it's like the more you observe deer and and when you like you know those those times when it all comes together and you think like man. 
he was never even on camera the last week, but he's just been in here the whole time. You know, it's just, it's really eye-opening. But Justin, I got a question for you, and it's it's a little bit of shift from the trail camera talk. Mm -hmm. But it, this this is a question that I've always wanted to ask someone from Ohio, and, and I know you've had a lot of success early down there. The, the Ohio opener is the last Saturday in September, right? That's how it always yep. works? Yep. Question for you on that <clears throat> is throughout the years, do you see like a really big difference? Say like on this year, it's going to be what September thirtieth for you guys. Yeah. Do you see a big difference when it's like on the thirtieth compared to like the the twenty third? If it would fall into the early twenties for you, or not too much difference? No, huge difference. Okay, huge difference. Um, I've been. <laughs> I've been cringing a little bit this year because last year I think it did open on the 23rd last year and then this year it's the 30th and there's a you know there's a big difference in what you know what what these bucks go through in just that that time frame and mm -hmm. you know the shift and you know some bucks that you know stay on a particular piece and and um um it and then once you get into you know that last couple of days of September and through say the first say 10 days of october you know their movement really slows down a lot um and you know and if you're not right on one and know exactly what he's doing and and i mean it that can it can, that makes it makes it really tough because you know last year for example i was watching the 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 buck that i ended up killing here i was i was so glued to him you know, for the two weeks leading into season that I knew that, you know, I, I had a real good shot because he was, he was just in those beans every evening and the beans were slowly turning Brown, right? So there, you know, every day they're getting less and less green. And I know it's just a matter of time before they're not going to be in them where if you take this year, for example, and I take you to that same farm. They got beans in there. I mean, September 30th, those things are going to be completely brown. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be on them. So, there, yeah, there's going to be a huge difference. I just think it's being aware of, um, you know, of, you know, again, it's just getting your, your boots on the ground and going out there and, and seeing, you know, if acorns are dropping or there's a fruit tree that's dropping or or whatever it might be. Or maybe it's just a... You know, I've noticed this before with beans. Um, you'll get a shaded spot that is maybe in a, like a swale or something, a low spot of the beans. And that those particular beans right in that little swale and that shaded spot right there will stay greener. And I think they're uh, a better tasting, more nutritious plant as well because because they, you know, because you get all that that runoff from the fertilizer and stuff like that onto those particular plants. And I think they just kind of gravitate towards that. So just, I don't know, just kind of keying in on just those those little, you know, kind, you know, things, um, you know, and then you get, you know, you get to a point too where, you know, this corn's all turning brown. And so they're in there eating it like crazy and just being able to, you know, it, it, it it's never going to hurt to go walk a, a perimeter of an entire cornfield and at least see if you can cut some big tracks going in and out, you know, because, you know, 
once they once they get to this time period period of the year, well, it's still warm. The bugs are really bad in those woods. I mean, if you watch a deer in the woods this time of year, I mean, they're swatting mosquitoes with their tails and they're, you know, just constantly trying to get the bugs off of them. So what do they want to do is they want to go out and they want to bed in the corn. So they don't have to mess with all these, you know, mosquitoes and bugs and they can bed out there and they can eat out there. You know, they kind of have a little bit of everything. So it's just, again, just getting boots on the ground and finding yeah. coming and going yeah yeah no i I've, I've always thought it was interesting you know because we're always in october one here and for the most part you know all of our beans will be leafed out you know most of all the the apple trees and the pear trees are pretty much have all dropped already so you can already kind of plan on that stuff but boy you know if all of a sudden they said hey we're gonna open up a week earlier this year all that may be different, you know, like just today, I was just seeing they started chopping some corn today or, you know, or like that would, that would be a play right now yeah. if we were open and here next week. But, you know, here in Michigan, you know, we're still, you know, we're still two weeks away where it's like, Hey, even though, you know, we're, we're keeping a tight grip on them. There's a lot of things going to happen in the next 14 days. No doubt. Yeah. You know, something, something too, just to think about. Um, it was kind of eye-opening for me this year. So I hired a uh, forester consultant and because um, I wanted to have some timber cut on my place. And and um, when I had him come out, the one thing that was really interesting to me is the time that I got to spend with him, uh, just learning, um, you know, as as many species of trees as many species of plants, whether, you know, it's, you know, what's a, you know, invasive plant or, or not or whatever. And just learning, um, that part of it, because I think, you know, that's a big part of, you know, everybody's talking about, everybody's losing this, you know, woodsmanship and stuff like that. Or, you know, to me, I mean, sometimes just learning all those different trees and plants and stuff like that, get you more in tune to what the, you know, what the, what the deer, what the deer prefer and, um, and small things like that to look for, you know? Um, and that's been, I, I've enjoyed that, that part of it. Cause you know, I was, I always grew up like, you know, trapping and coon hunting and all that kind of stuff. I was always, I always loved that. I loved coon hunting. I was, I was, I got bit by that bug, uh, when I was a kid and was way into that. And, um, you know, and I just always, you know, you got to, you know, when you're trapping, you got to be detailed, you know, because you're going to get, you know, um, you know, you're not going to be very successful. And, um, you know, and it's kind of, you know, going back to the whole woodsman thing again, you know, we all fell in love with the sport because it was all like used to be this mystery, you know, like before trail cameras of like, oh, look at that rub or look at those tracks or look at this or that, you know, your imagination ran wild and you're trying to like figure out all the puzzle pieces and put it all together. And, um, you know, uh, I still, I, I still enjoy that part of it. You know, um, it's still, uh, that's, I think that's why we all do it really. It's still this mystery and this, and, uh, cause you never know, you know, that, that one track that you see and then maybe you don't, you know, you didn't have a picture of the deer. You never seen the deer with your glass, but all of a sudden that, 
you know, that giant comes strolling through the, you know, the timber one day. I mean, we still dream about that, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's funny. You talk about the mystery and the, you know, uh, at my family farm, we probably have, you know, on 218 acres, we probably have 20 to 25 cameras running on it as a, as a hunting camp. Like there's, there's 11 guys that are part of it. And, and, uh, we have this buck out there. He's, he's a good deer. Um, none of us have them on camera. Not one. Cannot get a picture of them. But you go up in our, you know, our, our ag field and you'll glass them, you know? And it's like, where are you? Where the hell are you? You yeah. know what I mean? And that to me, it, like you said, Justin, the mystery of it is still the coolest thing. It brings me back to when I was 12 again. And yeah. heading to the tree with my PSC Nova and my 55, 75 cut down arrows from my dad. You're shooting PVC pipes basically and with veins and <laughs> hopefully it doesn't rain because my TM Hunter rest with the, with the rubber on it would get wet and it'd make it real loud. You know, it sound like you're pulling back a, you know, a stick on or like a, whatever. It was just loud and like just worried about your peep sight tubing smacking exactly you know (laughs) and it's like some of this stuff is like man i I, i'm looking at my office here you should see how much shit is in my office right now because it's getting to be deer season i'm like tinkering with stuff i just got done stealth stripping these little hooks to put you know and it's like what what are we doing you know like what i just went and bought a new 300 dollars pack why why did i need well i've i feel i self-filmed you know, I got to bring a platform and I got to bring sticks in. I got, why? Like, can we just go hunt? <laughs> like, because you know why? I was just in Kentucky with Andre and the night before we hunted, you would have thought we were going to war. <laughs> we were in there. I mean, we were doing the same thing you're talking about. We are taping everything down. We had wrenches in there, tighten down, like, you know, just different things on our stands and our sticks and, you know, just going through the whole thing because, you know, you do, you do all that kind of stuff because God forbid, if you didn't do one of those things and it cost you that deer, hundred percent, then that's, you know, that's the difference. I'm the same way. And I think, I I think once, you know, now that we're older, I think, you know, those are for me anyway, that's kind of like the fun thing. It's like the prep. It's like the, you know, it's just kind of neat to, to do it, like figure something else out. And, and, uh, you know, it gives us something to think that we're beating that deer. Like you said, Justin, like you don't want to clip on your pack when you clip it together to go, you know, pop. Like you want it to be like taped when you're, you know what I mean? It's like you want all that stuff to be dialed because once it does come together, you're like, I crossed all my T's and dotted all my I's and I beat you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I tell you what, one way I like to, you know, cure that, that mystery bug for sure is, is, you know, my daughters always like to look at all the trail camera pictures with me. And they look at all the deer and all the box and all the targets. But I always tell them, I said, I always say, girls, there's still a deer out there that I don't get pictures of, and neither does anyone else. Like I, 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 I firmly believe that. Like oh, there, yeah. there's deer, there's deer out there, and it's hard to believe, right? Because everyone and their uncles have trail cameras nowadays. But boy, when a deer gets shot, 
you know, like Aaron, the buck you shot last year, no one for two square miles has any clue about that deer. Deer like that keep me up at night. Like, that, thinking, oh, yeah. like they listen, there's still bucks out there, boys. Yeah, that second deer I shot, literally, if somebody would, that's a deer in my area. If if somebody would have known, like somebody would have got mm. a picture of that deer, and I heard, you know, some scuttle about a guy, you know, like a mile and a half away shooting a deer early season, and and it was like him, but um, but it wasn't him. I found out it wasn't him. I actually tried to vet out people and talk to a lot of different people. And I was open about where I shot the deer. Like <laughs> I, I, that stuff intrigues me. It's like, how do you get that big and live in an area where how many hunters are around me and you survive that many years to get as big as you did? I need to know. I need yeah. to know. Um, I did find uh, a buddy of mine hunts two miles from me. Eh, I'd have to really about two miles. Man, mile and a half. He found his shed from the year before, and we didn't know it was him at the time. And um, kind of got looking at it, and it's really damn close to being him. Like, if it's not him, I'd be very surprised. But uh, you know, he never got trail cam pictures of the deer, never seen the deer, you know, in the stand or nothing. Just happened to find a shed. Don't know. It's crazy. I mean, look, at, look, look how many times that you've ever put a trail camera out. I don't care if it's cell cam or just a regular cam and you've you've had those deer that just seen that camera for the first time and you never got a picture of the deer ever again i mean just totally freaked them out yes and i you know and i do believe that there is something that these deer sense or feel or whatever with the frequency of these cell cams i do i i have noticed and i've kind of uh, well i tested it on my farm I got what I did over there. I just wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to see, I got one picture of, of this one particular deer over there and never got another picture of him again. And when I got the picture of him, he looked like, you know, it looked like it scared the shit out of him. And I couldn't get another picture of him. And I kept bouncing cameras around trying to get a picture of him somewhere else. And I took one and just, you know, stuck it up high and just put it on and put it on video mode. And it was just a standard SD you know, camera and, um, yeah, sure. Sure enough. I, I got him on camera again, you know, mm -hmm. and, but I, you know, I can't get him, I can't get a picture of him anywhere else around there. So, yep. I I'm, I'm dealing with a buck like that this year, Justin, and it, it's covering, I got cameras covering probably whew, close to four square miles. And over the last couple of years, I'll get pictures of them. But he's always in the background, like other deer triggered the camera. And they're, they're all high hung camera, about eight foot high. But the it's always the the weird part is is once all over the you know two years now. He's only been on one camera more than once. So like once he gets his picture anywhere around a camera, like he'll never be back on that camera again. I'm not saying he's not in the area. But yeah. in front of that camera, it's like he just, and even these are up in, up in the tree where it's like, this is the first deer that I've, it's made me think that like this deer truly like he senses or feels or just has that natural instinct to just avoid the cameras period. Cause I'll, I, I go out and find them. I can go out and find them for most of the days. But when it comes to the cameras, he just, he avoids them for years, years. He does it. Well, I have not found a camera yet that if you took enough time and you sat there and and 
listened and just got close enough. I, I don't care what brand it is. I haven't found one yet that mm-hmm. I couldn't hear a little something in it when it took the picture. And it's, I mean, I don't know how you fix that. You know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of really good cameras out there these days, but boy, um, but you can still hear it a little bit. And if I can hear it, I know they can hear it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For sure. I got an instance right now, not to make this about me, but this has been a big deal for me. And I got a permission piece that chased a deer all last year. He made it through the year. I know he did. Um, trying to find him this summer. Can't find him. He was so habitual, so like routine all last year. Like you, like David said, I could go find him in the glass and I could get pictures of him last year, especially late season this year. Can't get a picture of him. Could not. I, I, th- I thought the deer ended up dying. It ended up. He's, huh. he's gone. You know, um, last week took my daughter to school, rolling home back. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna check a couple bean fields rolled up in a, you know, bean field and boom, there he is. First time I've seen him since last January before or last February before he he dropped. And I said, "Holy shit. Wow. Where have you been and <laughs> you've gotten bigger." <laughs> but you know, and David knows all all my cameras. We share cameras like I built a scrape for this deer. This this scrape is in his core, it is location, location, location. It is the spot. Cannot get a picture of him or any other shooter bucks on it. Cannot. I ended up pulling the camera because it was so bad. Couldn't even get a deer on it. And I'm like, what the hell? And uh, there he is, living under my nose the whole time. I know. I tell you, those, you know, and sometimes, and sometimes too, it's just, you know, the shift that just hasn't taken place yet, you know, to where, you know, you might not have that deer right now and, you know, give it a couple of weeks and all of a sudden they just, you know, show back up and they're, you know, they got their little summer hangouts and they got their, you know, some never transition, you know, they stay right there, but some, I mean, you know, I've had that deer that I killed last year. I mean, I had an entire season. I had no idea where that deer was. I mean, no yep. clue. I mean, he was a stud, like two, I thought like maybe a two and a half, three and a half year old. And I was just so jacked. And then the next year, I have no clue where that deer went. I mean, I looked everywhere. And then, and then even the following year, I, you know, I wrote him off until, you know, a, a friend of mine lost permission on a piece because it sold. And then he basically was like, hey, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Check this deer out since I lost permission over there. And then he sent me the picture, and I, as soon as I, he sent it to me, I knew I knew the deer right away, you know. And um, and it was just, and it was, and you know, it's just funny how you know that happens, um, where they just, you know, they just, it's like they just crawl underneath of a rock for a year or so. I killed a hundred and seventy-three inch ten pointer. This has been a while ago, um, probably about twelve years ago or so. And, um, that deer, I, I was hunting, that deer was on that piece for a couple years, disappeared for an entire year and disappeared. And, and I completely wrote him off and he wasn't on that piece. And it was October, right? Late October. I was hunting this other big deer that was in there and 
And I went in there on a hunch thinking this other deer that I was after was making the side. And when I went in there that night and to hunt that deer, this other deer walks out and I'm like, God, what deer is that? And I hate to say it because this other deer was from an inches standpoint was bigger. And I almost thought about passing him up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and I got it. I I'll send you guys the video of it. Um, I have him right underneath me and I, I would, I did this whole thing of like not knowing the deer, knowing the other deer. And I'm like looking at this deer and I'm like, thing, and I'm, I just, it just threw me so far off that night. Cause I thought I had my shit together and I had, <laughs> well, I didn't have, and I was, I didn't really have my shit together in the tree either. I was kind of falling apart. And, um, <laughs> And this deer's down there and he's walking around and I was thinking, man, I was like, you know, I was so dead set on the other one or whatever. I waited too long and ended up hitting when I shot that night, I grazed the side of the tree and I one lunged him. I shouldered him hard. And um and I don't care what anybody says, and I this is proof. Um that deer, um he ended up living, that was late October, was it October 26th when I shot him. And he ended up living the entire year. I seen him numerous times chasing, chasing other bucks off, chasing does off, whatever. On January 28th in a snowstorm, I killed that deer. And that one lung was completely collapsed. There was nothing left. He lived that entire time on that one lung. That's unreal. And, unreal. Yeah. And I would have never known that until, you know, I heart shot him that night when I opened it, you know, when I opened him up, that whole lung was completely done for. And man, I seen, I seen him a bunch of times that year or whatever, but, but, you know, going back to that deer disappeared for like a year and a half, almost. I had no clue of where he was. He was, you know, but he was somewhere close, close enough to come mm -hmm. back over there. So I, I think that, a lot that's a, that's the kind of buck that after after you shoot him, boy, how <laughs> how nice would it be if he would have had a chip in his neck where you could just see where like what the hell did this thing do for that whole year? Yeah, yeah. That, that would be so interesting if you could track that kind of information. I know it is. It's interesting how they can just disappear like that for a year at a time or whatever and then show back up. And But that's what makes it fun. You know, mm -hmm. if this. If this was easy and if it was just like laid out on a silver platter for you, like I, I'd probably play more golf because I suck at golf. So <laughs> you and me both, man. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> oh no, I think this is a good conversation. I, you know, we're about an hour twenty into this. I want to be conscious of your time too, Justin. Appreciate you coming on, and doing this, man. And and uh, I know, uh, I know. I just know within like the first couple weeks of October, we're probably going to see a picture of Justin Hollinsworth with a giant on the ground. So, uh, I, I, I can't wait for just to open Instagram or something and see that. <laughs> I tell you what, I wish I had a giant to chase. I'll just say that. <laughs> well, I don't you, you, have you, you'll have an old deer, right? You got, you got an old deer that you're looking at probably. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you start to get a little picky as you get older too. 
Stop, uh, stop filling up all your walls. <laughs> yeah, I know. Keep that down. My wife's upstairs. Yeah. She's gonna hear. <laughs> hey, well, hey, he didn't. He didn't tell all the listeners that part of the agreement was the property that he can shoulder mount anything for four years Ooh. afterwards. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It's a heck of a deal with you the know, wife. It, and then he's like, well, the first year I kill off the property, I, so I actually going to need a, like probably a full body mount because it's going to be just special. You know? yeah. so. <laughs> Honey, we got to add on to the house. <laughs> yeah. She said to me not, not too long ago, she said, what are we, you got all these heads down in there in the basement. She's like, where are you going to start putting them? I said, I'm just going to start taking the smallest one and moving each as, as I shoot a small or shoot a bigger one. Then I'll take a small, whatever the smallest one is and, and just move it out to the garage or whatever. But then, but then you start to think you're like, but man, like if you ever get to a point and like, you know, if you, I mean, I, I always have this, everybody has goals in their mind, mind of like what they want to achieve when this is all said and done. And a good friend of mine, Brad Davis is he, he's got an awesome goal. He's got, he wants to shoot 50 bucks with his bow over 150. Hmm. That's his goal. Oof. He's got 38. Wow. And <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And with his biggest being a 221. And, um, you know, and I, I, I've never heard anybody say that before. And when he said that to me, I was like, man, I was like, you know what? I'd like to try to fill this basement up down here with at least just at least one fifties or better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's cause you're always trying to shoot a bigger deer every year. I mean, whatever your current biggest deer is, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to top it. I Justin, I, I live in the wrong state to try to <laughs> kill the deer. I travel to kill. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you've done a pretty good job of getting out of that state and killing some nice oh. deer. I mean, you you know, that's what it takes, though. I mean, because yeah. if you don't live where they're at, you have to go and you have to you have to hunt those states that, that have them. For sure. You know? yep. And, you know, and, you know, you're I mean, we we do this whitetail addictions thing and it's like it's truly that's what it is amongst all of us. It's just we're. You know, we're, we're whitetail addicts and we love it. And we're trying to, we don't compete against anybody else. We compete against ourselves, you know, we want to, you know, you got goals in mind that you, you know, that you, you want to achieve and, and, you know, whether it's, you know, topping your biggest deer or, or whatever it might be for, you know, for the year or, you know, whatever, but, um, I've, I've always been kind of a goal oriented person i've always tried to you know and i think every year i just try to set the bar a little bit higher and and um you know and try to it you know that's that's the fun and in it you know and and you know and i i don't ever and i think all i think a lot of guys are like this you don't come none of us really compete with the next guy um um now yeah do i want to shoot a bigger de- deer than he cisco yes for sure so now that yeah. <laughs> there we go <laughs> now we we know it all yeah. here we go yeah. yeah so yeah i always want to top him um but um you know it's 
but it's fun sharing this stuff. You know, I don't, some, some, I've heard, I've read some things and stuff like that before where guys, you know, oh, this guy's bragging about this or this guy's bragging about that. It's never about bragging. It's just, it's fun to share hunting stories and Mm -hmm. it's fun to talk hunting and, and, um, you know, and that's, that's, that's why I enjoy getting on these, you know, podcasts with guys like, you know, like you guys and stuff like that and just shoot the shit and have fun. It's, it's hunting. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. So you got that right. You know, before we do get off this, you just kind of brought up something. So I've been watching the next buck stuff that you were mm-hmm. on with, with Jared and stuff like that. And man, I went back and like was watching that round table stuff. You know, that was podcasting yeah. before podcasting in, in a sense. And you know, to watch you guys on those DVDs, it was so cool. Like, I felt like, you know, because you guys did those, like, back in the early 2000s, stuff oh, like yeah. that. Like, like I had a look into what we're living now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, way back then, if that makes sense. Like, that was so cool for me to go and watch that and, and learn from you guys. And, and knowing you now and, and here and, like, watching it from then you're still preaching the same stuff you are now and you know doing things on a really high level back then you've been doing this for years man and yeah to see that it was really cool and i had like i respected you before and i even told dj this like after i watched him for the first time i respect the hell out of you and after i watch that i'm like you in particular i'm like i respect justin even more watching that now like it just kind of like did it for me man like you those dvds were were done really well and i just love listening to the the information you guys are spewing on that it's it's so funny you guys had jared on not too long ago and that just like rekindled all that for me like and i just you know because it's been so long ago and and um you know and and I, I I dip back into I I I watched a little bit of that and then I just seen Jared a couple of weeks ago in Iowa and we hung out and um and it we were talking we were talking a little bit about you know we're like man dude that was a long time ago a long now. time ago yeah and we were it was of, it it was, it was it was it was social it was social media like in the forum base before like Facebook was even a thing back. And that's how I think yeah. about it. Like I, I think about like those, those next buck forums back in the day like that. Like that was, that was, you know, the true like die hard like social media for hunters back in the day. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was, you know, that was, I never thought about it until the way you just put it, Aaron, and the way that you just put it, David, like, you know, like, I don't, I didn't think we were, we weren't thinking of it like that and where it's gone today. And we were just, you know, for us back then, you know, all of us, all of us guys in that group, we were so hungry to learn and get better as hunters. And just so there wasn't the information out there like there is now. And, um, you know, that's the reason I, that's the reason I, I, I'll get on these and do it because you know what? Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was that guy that was yeah, looking for that stuff for sure. And you know, I feel like I, I'd be selfish 
or to not do that to maybe help out the next guy along the way that was that was me you know that was just mm-hmm. dying to to figure this stuff out or whatever and you'll never completely figure it out and that's that's the best part about it yep and um that's what makes us keep coming back for more yeah yeah i i remember that the the one hunt that's always stuck out to me of yours justin is is uh i think you're maybe in iowa but that 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 high and tight heavy deer come working down out of like well here we are again i think it was the crp i think yeah right on the edge and that thing come down just nasty looking buck come working down there and you you killed them you know that was such a a cool buck but like i can even remember watching that that hunt you know being from michigan that we don't see crp like that so to me like instantly when i first see that clip i'm like that's too open why would you hunt there you know what i mean where it's like but then all of a sudden you start learning about like we talked about earlier what what kind of bucks at the crp can hold then you start going out to the midwest and truly seeing it in person you're like okay that makes all the sense in the world now oh yeah yeah that's still one of my favorite hunts it's a cool hunt. that was a morning hunt wasn't it it was a morning hunt yeah i seen that deer the morning i seen him the morning before i killed him he came out of that drainage there was another big one that came out of that drainage i remember that um i got down i slid that stand probably maybe 80 yards over there and then that night it rained like i was gonna say wasn't it raining really bad yeah, it was poured that night. I couldn't even hunt that evening. And then my buddy's cows got out and I had to help him re we had to run a bunch of pop wire and get these cows back in uh that night. And so I could never I never did make it out that evening. Plus it just rained way too hard to to hunt in that. And um but you always have that little thing in the back of your head, you're like, but if it shuts off, yeah, it shuts mm-hmm. off. You know, but I, it, there, it, there was no signs of it shutting off and it was going to rain all the way through the next morning. So the next morning when I got up, it was still raining pretty good. And I remember him saying, he's like, you going to go out in this shit? I'm like, dude, if it shuts off, man, it's going to be awesome. And I, I went out that morning and jumped into that set and man, he came right out of that same drainage that morning. And he just was just a little bit on the other side of it. And he went up that, he went up that hillside and I could just tell by his demeanor, like he just thought he was the man. He thought he was a badass. And when he got behind that cedar tree, man, I hit him with a snort wheeze and he was mad at the world and just worked his way all the way back down the hill. And then I, and I just (laughs) diced him. I mean, it was a, it was just like the perfect situation it was and it was you know and um that's still one of my favorite all-time hunts and he's not the biggest deer i've ever killed he's like in the 150s but he's awesome um, he's a toad he's only what like 11 inches wide at 150 (laughs) like he's so big yeah yeah i'm just seven he had a seven and a quarter inch base on the one side oh that's unreal (laughs) I'm just, I'm so thankful that, you know, there's guys like you filming back in the day and that, you know, a guy like Jared 
had you know had what it took to put all that stuff together you know a decade two decades ago and that that's when i was really learning about it you know that's how i come across it you know uh that forum back in the day those dvds changed the way i hunt still today you know where yeah. that, that that's that's always the funny thing is like when i talk to new hunters and they they you know they talk about you know strategies and stuff you know i'm like that the strategies really haven't changed guys like there's guys hunting like this a decade two decades ago you're just now hearing it more and more that the strategies are still the same yeah and i still and i'll still say this uh, I'll, I'll say this forever hill country bucks is the best video i've ever is best instructional video i've ever seen i mean mm-hmm. That was my hands down. That was my favorite. I mean, that one yep. alone was was just you know so good um, yep. with all the information on uh, on that one. Um, you know, a lot of these guys were just thinking outside the box a long time ago. You know, well, and it just goes to show too the people that taught them, like those. You know, it's like who were those guys? You know what I mean? Who yeah. were who were who are those guys and who are the guys that taught those guys? Like, cause the guys you were talking to like the Paul ramps and you know, I know I'm, I'm blanking on some of the names right now, but those guys, you guys learn from somebody that were doing it in the nineties, you know, the eighties oh, yeah. and the nineties. So who then, then who were those guys? And it's like, yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to Jared and I told him this and I said, dude, you're the OG podcaster. You're the OG information forum guy in my eyes. Like mm-hmm. he's the dude, you know, and nobody knows him. Shit, Justin, I wouldn't know him if I didn't meet you. You know what I mean? You introduced me to him a couple years ago and I'm like, where's this guy been all my life? You know what I mean? And it's like, guy's a talented mofo and he can kill some deer too, man. He's he's one of those guys that you don't hear anything from, but he is like a soft-spoken killer, man, and just knows Wherever he goes, he can get it done. Like, it's so cool. That is the coolest, coolest trait about a deer hunter for me is like yeah. a guy that doesn't care to be anybody that just goes and does. It is so cool. Jared, Jared just loves the outdoors so much. Um, he's a true, he's a true outdoorsman. And he, um, you know, and, and, <laughs> I think if somebody walked in and seen the kind of animals that he's got on the wall, I tell you what, he's a hell of an elk hunter too. I mean, he's, he's good. He's, he's just an all around good woodsman, good hunter. Um, smart dude. I I have a ton of respect for been friends with him for probably 20 years now. Um, and 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 now I see it with his son, you know. Now his son's, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's following that same path, and it's pretty cool. And and I got to hang out with him here just a couple of weeks ago, and he brought his boy. He brought his boy out to Andre's farm, and um, we were we were all hanging out out there. And um, yeah, but it's um, you know, I feel you know at, at the time you just you know these are just the guys you were running with, you know, you just didn't think anything about it, and and now, um, you know, we look back on all the stuff and all these years later. And I remember you guys had a clip or somebody had a clip or something from one of those videos recently. And 
uh, me and Jared were actually, we were laughing about it or whatever. I said, dude, look how dark my hair was, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's good news. And if anybody wants to, to, to watch these videos we're talking about there, they're called Next Buck Outdoors or Blood Brothers because they were Blood Brothers before. Um, you can still buy these DVDs. I believe it is at mm -hmm. uh, nextbuckoutdoors.com, or is that what it is? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah. nextbuckoutdoors.com, and buck is spelled B-U-K. So yeah. um, check them out. They're, they're definitely worth getting. And like David said, there's no groundbreaking information in there, but – I will say, like, you guys laid the maps out really, like, when you're talking about thermals and everything. If somebody's learning, wanting to learn thermals, look at these. Like, they put maps on the screen and everything, and it, like, paints a really good picture of it, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. there's marsh, there's marsh, uh, here's hill country, there's hard, hunting marsh bucks and farm country. So, some really good DVDs, man. Yeah. yeah. Jared kicked you, it around. He, Jared kicked it around there for a little bit, like he was gonna do some more or whatever. But there's so it takes so much time to, yep. to put them together and everything else. So he just we just never did again. So, yep. but you gotta you mean when you say not groundbreaking, Aaron? I mean, think of this. Think of you know I grew up in Michigan just like you did, but think of watching those DVDs like a dozen years ago dude i oh. like when i first got my hands on them and because you know like because i was i've told the story a thousand times in in, in justin you probably heard it but like i i got to meet todd pregnant in person and like i i just mm -hmm. i enjoyed the guy's passion and i loved how we hunted and the, i just kind of i was like hey what's it why does the guy carry the tree stand on his back everywhere i got down that rabbit hole and then eventually it led me to next buck so then i got the dvds and i was like instantly the thing that you know to me it was groundbreaking back then that was a dozen years ago but the first thing i thought about it i goes there is no one hunting around here the way those guys are hunting that's yeah. that's how i'm gonna start hunting that's exactly my mindset from 12 years ago and i still carry the same mindset today mm -hmm. yeah it's still it's still crazy that you know you know todd's not around anymore you know he was uh man you talk about a his passion for for hunting big mature deer i mean i met todd years ago through andre because mm -hmm. um, he did all this he did all the designs on the seats for yeah one with portable tree stands way back in the day and um and um man he was uh you know andre will still say this he's you know he's you know he's one of the 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 bricks that built lone wolf you know mm -hmm. he part, he's part of that that's cool. and uh, and he's yeah andre is still he's always he's always said that about todd and there's a there's a lot of guys you know a lot of guys you know that are part of that and um you know because this year is going to be for the 40th anniversary of lone wolf that's um, awesome that's cool so um you know and we got some we got some something pretty cool that we're working on for that anniversary sweet Cool, man. Well, Justin, thank you very much for doing this, man. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, hopefully the Browns pull it out there. I don't know what the score is right now, but uh, hopefully the Brownies will pull it out for you. <laughs> Dude, Nick Chubb got hurt tonight. Oh, no. Uh-oh. That's not good. Knee injury. I know. Oh, uh, well, look at the bright side. The Lions, uh, they lost. Uh, this isn't the bright side, but the Lions lost like four starters. 
yesterday. So we're looking oh, good too. Gosh. Yeah, we're looking at one in five right in the face. I guarantee it. This is why we deer hunt, man. Exactly. We, we exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I thought that's where I thought that's where Aaron was going with it. It was look at the bright side. In two weeks, boys, we're going to be up in a tree. And <laughs> I thought that's where he's going with it. Well, the one good thing we can both hang our hats on we have, we follow good college football teams, so you know that's you that go. is a bright side. Yep. So. Yeah, that's that is the right side. So, yeah. all right, Justin. Well, th- thanks for coming on, Justin. Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thank you, man. go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.